Welcome back to Pick and Pod. I'm Kelly Bright, and joining me today is Chris Percyinen. And Chris, this is the first time we've come together, joining up talents to host this show, but I'm super excited about it. I know you've shadowed me a few shows before, once with me and Andrew, and you've done a lot with WFUV since. So super excited to do this show. I know right before we started, we were talking about a lot of other sports news going on right now. The NFL, obviously a lot of trade rumors going on right before we started the show. Andy Dalton going to the Bears. March Madness is in full effect. March 16th, right in the swing of things. But let's talk the NBA. March 25th trade deadline just over a week away. And the playoffs are closer than you think. So, you know, Chris, there's a lot to get get at here. Um, First of all, just welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kelly. It's it's a pleasure to be on. Um, this is my second pick and pod appearance ever, so very exciting. Still, uh, I was I was with your your betting mate last week in in Andrew Posadas, um, but now now I'm back and uh, I'm I'm ready, of course, to talk NBA trade season. One of my favorite parts of the year, and and of course, one of just fans in general's favorite parts of the year, the NBA, uh, as much as I love the on-court product, is doing a pretty good job with the off-court product as well, kind of making the reality show of the league and trades and all that quite, quite an entertaining thing to follow. So trade deadline, always exciting. Human nature, right? We just love to gossip, and trade rumors are the best kinds of gossip out there but before we get into all that before we get into all that off the court drama and all the speculation I want to start on the court specifically with your favorite team the New York Knicks still hovering around 500 last time I was on the show they were a little bit higher than that but still outperforming where they were supposed to be ranked six in defensive rating overall six in the east right now now Chris they have the second half of their season is going to be the toughest schedule, the third hardest ranked strength of schedule in the league. And the first half was much easier. So do we expect them to continue the success they've had so far? You know, we're seeing in just crazy seasons out of some of their young guys, Julius Randall staying at an all-star level. RJ Barrett has just been lights out for them. Do we think that through the second half of the season, they're going to continue on the success? I think you make a good point with the strength of schedule. I know they have one of the harder schedules in the league, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. Um, like you said, we're, we're getting great years from Julius, RJ. Mitch is going to be back soon. Manuel quickly looking like the steal of the draft at 25. Um, second on the rookie ladder last I checked. This is a team that came into this year with the Vegas predict, pre, pre, predicted, not projected, predicted win total of 22, 21.5, right? 21, am I crazy? 21, it was that low? Right. 21.5. It was that low. And, uh, and, and they're exceeding expectations. There's something about that. There's an energy that that creates, and we feel it, especially here in New York. I'm seeing more Knicks gear. I'm seeing... You know, if I go down into into Manhattan, uh, I'm seeing a lot more Knicks gear. Um, there's just an energy online. The the community online is growing. I'm noticing on Knicks Twitter, like there's so many new accounts being created. People just getting back into the team, uh, rediscovering their love for it. 
Um, I, I know there's a, a good section of fans that never lost it somehow. Uh, the obsessed bunch that I, I consider myself part of. But no, it's it's awesome to see the energy around the team. And, and I think this all goes to say that they've been exceeding expectations. And I don't think it's time to start doubting them. I don't think it's time to start thinking that they can't continue to do so. Do I think they can maintain uh, this kind of like four to six seed range that they've been in over the last week or two? No, not, not necessarily, because like we said, they have a pretty decent swing in difficulty of schedule from the first half to the second half. However, seventh, eighth seed, totally within, you know, within sight for me. And if not, uh, we have a different format this year. So it's going to be the ninth and 10th seeds are play in teams. So even if they are somehow not a top eight team, I, I think there's a very safe bet. It would be a very safe bet that they at least make the play. in. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Chris. I, just watching this team play and how they've developed and grown over time. It's like you said, it's just something special about them, especially in the fact that they have this new coach in Tom Thibodeau and it's such a young core. No one, you know, there's all their core is younger than 25. So, you know, it, it's a very young and inspiring team. And you mentioned the energy you've seen from fans. Well, that, that noise is also audible. And James Harden in his press conference mentioned that you could hear the Knicks fans at, at that Nets Knicks game the other home night. Game. And it was a exactly, home game. It was a home game. And, and it's, it's just something special about that Nick fandom. And I know something that probably upset a lot of Knicks fans the other night in that game. They did end up losing to the Nets, but I don't think it was a total loss for the Knicks. If, if you can say, if there's such thing as a moral victory, you know, they outscored the Nets 36 sure. to 23 over the final 15 ish minutes. And, you know, Julius Randle had 12 points in the fourth quarter. He had 33 points on the night, obviously continuing that all-star performance. And you take away that controversial traveling call towards the end you know, with six seconds to go, this game could have ended differently. Chris, your sure, initial right. reaction to that call, did the ref, Scott Foster, make the right call in that situation? I I think, to be honest, that if I gave my initial reaction to the call, it would need to be edited out before <laughs> this was published. So for reasons that stretch to legal universes uh for wfuv sports probably <laughs> i i can't i can't share my initial reaction i can so share maybe, my maybe thoughts i can share my thoughts from this morning reaction. yeah there i was gonna go. say i can share my thoughts from this morning when when the smoke had cleared a bit and um i had patched the holes in, in my wall here in jokes um <laughs> and, and it was that if there ever is a moral victory, you know, as you were saying, like it, it would be that game. And, and that of course I'm still livid that I just, I I'm pretty sure the, the mistake came from Scott Foster, not knowing what the word alight meant. Um, I think he thought it meant like, like I, <sighs> he, he, he misinterpreted the rule book and made the right call based on his incorrect interpretation of what the rules are. If that makes sense is what I think happened. So it's just like really frustrating. Um, it's like that, that that's his job is to know, know the rules. And he, he, he called it, he called it wrong. Um, you know, you never want to see referees remembered, right? That's just, that, 
good referees are are invisible. If your um, name is trending on Twitter, it's Tony two Brothers, hours after the Scott game. Foster, they, yeah, these it's, guys, it's not a good look. These guys know it well. However, this season for the Knicks is not about the the win column. It's right. about the intention behind the win column, and it's about the attention that whatever's in the win column is drawing. Um, maximizing the exact amount of wins you get, you know, is not, is not a real concern. This team was projected by many to be guaranteed a top six or seven pick via having a bottom two or three record. And they are legitimately in the playoff hunt. So against a team like Brooklyn, you can't be upset that they, they walked out losing. Uh, I'm just upset about how it happened. However, I know that at the end of the season, I'm going to look back at this game and be like, yeah, you know, that that ending was real upsetting, but that was a fun game. And that game showed us kind of who we were. It showed that our guys, that IQ, Randall, RJ trio is for real. And those are guys we want to keep around. And I think lessons like that are bigger takeaways for me long term, even if it's very hard to not just be furious. Yeah, I respect that more reflected response because, you know, I watched that I've watched that play over and over again, especially in preparation for this podcast. And I go back and forth. I mean, to me, if I'm a referee in this situation in the moment, it's hard to make that call. But on the replay, it, it looks like he got it wrong. But like you said, it's a long season and nothing depends. Nothing all hangs in the balance of one game unless it's the championship. And and there's another game tonight for the Knicks, and that's against the 76ers, which I think it's interesting because you look at the Sixers team right now and they're in first place with Brooklyn Nets only a game behind the Milwaukee Bucks, just 2.5 games back. And now you look at the Sixers team and they're without Joel Embiid. Now, luckily for 76 fans and for basketball in general, that knee injury he just suffered, looks like it's only going to be a bone bruise and it'll only be out for two to three weeks. However, the Sixers are notoriously not as good without their star center and it makes sense. He's a clear MVP candidate, but they're just two and five in games without Embiid on the floor. They outscore opponents by 12 points per 100 possessions when he is there, and they're outscored by over four points per 100 possessions when he's not. So for this Sixers team, do they have reason for concern and worry that they could fall significantly lower in these rankings in the East while they're missing their best player? Absolutely. I mean, if you are a team with a coach like Doc Rivers, who even if, you know, my thoughts on, you know, like whatever job he's doing this year, he's doing he's doing a good job in Philadelphia, debatably. Um, I think he's doing fine. These games matter. These coaches are looking at these games like I want home court advantage in the playoffs as many times as I can get it. Um, to lose your MVP candidate player is never not going to be a big loss, right? Like the Lakers, uh, there's just a lot of storylines in the news right now about the Lakers that just wouldn't be there if Anthony Davis had not gotten hurt, right? They were, they were just, it's all, oh, well, can they really take the nets and this and this? I, I feel like if AD was healthy, we're just watching the team play and we're just, you know, analyzing game after game. We, we get these more extreme reports now because of the the, the, the the worst performance with Embiid out. It's going to be tough for the 76ers to replicate that kind of production. I know they have several other capable players, Ben Simmons, 
being the most notable. Simmons is one of my favorite players in the league, as is Embiid, making the 76ers kind of my guilty pleasure team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, once we get to the playoffs and the Knicks are unfortunately usually not there. But Simmons, you know, the game tonight, don't worry about the game tonight. Simmons is 10-0 and in his career against the New York Knicks. Um, this is indeed because his grandfather is a very big fan of not New York sports. <laughs> so he tries this is a this is a real thing. He tries extra hard against the Knicks for his grandpa and he has never lost to them in 10 career games against them. A couple of those coming in games where Joel Embiid was out with injury. I remember, I believe it was last season. Embiid was out and I was at a Philadelphia game where they won because the referees missed a five seconds call on them <laughs> at the end of the game. So good, 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 good job refs. Always, always staying relevant, but not, I'm not too worried about, about Philadelphia overall. However, if you're talking about the standings, these next two, three weeks are absolutely a concern for them because the, these games add up when you get to the end of the season. Well, Chris, you mentioned my betting partner earlier, and if you've followed along pick and pod throughout the season, Andrew Posadas and I have a bet going, and of course, I'm very pro 76ers, and I have been before a single second of basketball was played this NBA season, and yes, obviously, there's no question about it, missing Joel Embiid is going to hurt your team. It's going to affect your outcome, your record, the performance on the court, probably chemistry off the court. He's He's the core of this team. He's the heart and soul of this team. However, that being said, first three games off the All-Star break, they haven't had him, and they've won the many ways and by at least 22 points every time. Now, this is a team long-term. You're going to hope that you get him back because you're going to need him come playoff time. It can't just be Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and a few players off the bench. You need your MVP there. However, you've seen their bench step up, and this is a league, although it, it does hinge, it's a, it's a player-first league, if you have two all-stars on your team, you're going to be in contention for the playoffs every year. But at the end of the day, especially in a season that is so uncertain, has so many ups and downs with COVID protocol, players coming in and out, depth matters. And the 76ers, although there's a lot of questions there and there has been all season going to this trade deadline, there's, there's a lot of rumors and speculation with their team names have been thrown around, but their bench has been stepping up, you know, Cormaz, He's seated up over the last eight games, averaging over 14 points, 48% behind the arc. Mike Scott has improved. Matisse Thibel, he's been playing great defense. You know, he's not usually known for it. He's more known for his defense, not as much on offense, but he's been steady there. And you look at their bench and, and they're just playing better. During They have a five-game win streak going on, going on. The bench is averaging 53.8 points, while the opponent's benches that they're playing are averaging 40.8 so that bench is stepping up and, and part of something that I like to see in a team that's going to make a run for a championship or at least, you know, deep into the playoffs, it, it's all that next, it's that next minute mentality. And it's about stepping up and coming together and playing as a team. And I've been very impressed with how the Sixers have, have been able to do that. And I think, like you mentioned, Ben Simmons is one of your favorite players. I think he's done a great job of stepping up as a leader in this position and, and getting his team to buy in and play up, play up to the challenge of not having Joel Embiid there. You know, he's done a lot of interviews recently and people are asking, oh, are you worried? Are you worried about not having Joel Embiid? Are you guys going to slide into the rankings? And he's been very adamant that this team is more than just one player. 
and that it, it is this next man up mentality. So I do think, I think the next few weeks are going to be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they slip out of first, but I do think they'll stay in the top three. And at the end of the day, Joel Embiid's only expected to be out for two to three weeks. Even if that extends into a fourth week, they should, they should still have him back for playoffs. And that's really when it matters. So I do think this 76ers team is going to be okay. Um, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't go look for things. And Chris, this, this conversation is about to be a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation, but we got to have it. Uh, let's talk trade. Let's talk trade deadline. March 25th, pushback last season. It is coming up. And, and there's been talks all season, you know, a lot of big moves happening way before the trade deadline, starting with James Harden and that big blockbuster trade. And more recently, the Nets as well, picking up Blake Griffin. So they're maybe less so out of the conversation, but let's, I'll start with the 76ers. The shooting guard has been an area of inconsistency for them. So they're definitely going to be looking to find someone to play um, some play more consistently with, you know, they've had Steph Curry, they have Matisse Seidel, they have, you know, a few other guys, but they're definitely going to be looking for someone a little more consistent. And for me, one place to look is the Orlando Magic, which is a team that is 100%, 100% going to be selling. You know, they're, they're sinking at the bottom. They have a lot of players that a lot of teams want. And I'm curious, I which shooting guard? Which So here we go. Not maybe who you think I'm going to say, Terrence Ross. I, I'm a I Fournier know. guy, so so I like the I like the take on Ross just because I'm always talking about the Knicks potentially swinging a deal for for Fournier, and that is the exact reason why I picked Terrence Ross to go to the 76ers because I think Evan Fournier would fit better with New York, but with Ross, you know, he's a spark. He would be a spark off the Sixers bench. He fits there. He can shoot, run in transition, get to the basket. He's athletic enough to keep up defensively with that strong defensive team. He might not be the answer to all of their problems, but I, I think it's a great place to start. But I'm interested to hear what you, what you think, even if you want to go into that Evan Fournier trade idea a little bit more. Yeah, if, I mean, any team looking for a player who can contribute offensively uh, is going is gonna to benefit from picking up Fournier. You know, it's rumored that the Magic are not looking for much for him. He is expiring, and uh, he can shoot. He can get to the rim. He can draw fouls. He can pass. <laughs> he cannot defend very well. That's about it. He can he can do a little bit of everything offensively, you know, and 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 kind of a a bad version of Gordon Hayward. Now I think like he's finally gotten good enough to where he's a bad version of Gordon Hayward, which is not a bad thing. It's a, a good player. Um. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Knicks, you know, looking at guys like Oladipo, I think someone like Fournier who would hopefully come at, at an affordable price. You know, maybe it's maybe it's Nilakina and and Peyton. They need, or maybe Nilakina and Bullock, something like that, and and then a second rounder or two um, would would probably constitute a fair return. I would prefer to give Knox, but. Uh, I would think the Magic would prefer Nilakina. I don't think they have a, a use for any more young wings um, that are in, insanely promising. So I'd love for the Knicks to look for something like that. S something else I know could be, or someone else I know might be on the move is, is J.J. Redick. We know the, the Pelicans have looked into moving him. Uh, we know he lives in Brooklyn and is looking to be closer to his home in Brooklyn. Now, whether... That is with Brooklyn, which I 
I doubt for for financial reasons, um, or with New York, which I I don't know what David Griffin's trying to give him up for, but I I, I probably doubt. Uh, um, I, I'm not really sure where Reddick's going to wind up. You know, do the Celtics? Do the Celtics want? Is is that is is that close enough to Brooklyn? <laughs> is it's a little closer than New Orleans, uh, but I don't know if it's close enough. So. Unless he wants to go back to Philadelphia, I'm not really sure uh, where it would work. And, and the Sixers have Seth Curry. You know, I'm not a big Thibault guy. Um, I, I don't think Thibault is very good. But Seth Curry, very good shooter. And, and that is what you need off of Simmons and Embiid if, if those two are going to be, you know, the focus of things. So if we're, if we're talking about the guard market, you know, Redick, Ross, Fournier, uh, some some guys that might be available – Quick, quick question. I, I want to know your thoughts on just a just a quick like buy or sell stock on on Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. Are you a fan? Are you a Lonzo? Are so, you a Lonzo fan? I could see it, and the team that I could see it for would be the Knicks. And he is a shooter. He's obviously an elite passer, which I think is something that the Knicks could benefit from. At 23, 23 years old, he's one of those young guys that you could be that could plug into a team that you're building. He could be a long-term piece. He is young, and I don't think um, I don't think he is someone that's going to be. I don't think he's going to get moved before this trade deadline. I think he's someone who more um, could get talked about in the off season. I, I don't see him moving now. As but a restricted free agent. As exactly, I would. I heard. I was listening to a podcast the other day. And I would love to see Lamar and Lonzo in a backcourt together. Oh my gosh! In Charlotte, just for the pure entertainment value of having now, those two on the same team, just for the pure entertainment value. Now, I'm not a Hornets fan, but you have me interested. Say they went with with Lamelo, Lonzo, Hayward. Um, I guess that would mean they're they're looking to trade one of Graham and Rogier, or, or even both. What what piece do you, do you take do you take Rogier or Graham and go after Vucevic? What, that would be very interesting. That would be very interesting that because would be very interesting. you could you, you could put together quite a good team. Um, I know Rogier makes seventeen million a year. You could take him and someone else and potentially put an offer together for Nikola Vucevic if you're looking to take advantage of the Eastern Conference not being too strong and try to make a deep run maybe attract some higher quality free agents or I'm not sure. I just know no one's clamoring to sign in Charlotte right now. So if we're talking trade deadline. Yeah, that's an exciting team. It's an exciting market. Again, like the Knicks, a lot of young guys, you know, Gordon Hayward's a little older, but he's had, he's playing great this season. You know, I think, I think if this might be the 2k take, it might be the NBA 2k (laughs) take, but I might want them to look to trade Hayward soon. Cause I don't think with LaMelo, developing as fast as he I think LaMelo being as good as he is this early throws a wrench in their plans in a good way if that makes sense they were expecting to have Hayward for at least two years and then maybe look into moving him with other assets for a second star for LaMelo uh and now LaMelo's playing like a rising young star in in year one so I think they could absolutely afford to take Hayward maybe a young player like Miles Bridges who's due to get paid soon and and draft capital and look to upgrade at that position. That would be very interesting for me to see as well if we're talking about 
fun trade deadline ideas. That that is a fun trade deadline idea. I think I think we have something here. I think I think we need to reach out to the Charlotte Hornets office because I think we have something here. But you asked me a question and I want to ask you a question in return because I saw it on your Twitter and you mentioned it very briefly before we started recording. One name that's come up a lot in talks with the New York Knicks for this trade deadline is Andre Drummond. And oh yeah. Oh man. I would love to hear your take because I think we're on the same side and I think we both agree that it's not the best idea. So statistically, if, if a basketball player is shooting in the paint, um, that basketball player has a higher chance of making that layup. If his name is Alfred Payton, than if it's Andre Drummond, (laughs) that is factual. That is statistical that he's that bad. Andre Drummond is that bad around the rim. He's seven feet tall and Alfred Payton finishes at a better rate than him. Uh, I I feel like, I, I I feel like that can't, that can't be right, but it is. So there's no Drummond argument for me because if you're looking to, to get him here in New York, it's probably because you're offering him long-term money and you're doing that because you think Drummond would be not only better long-term than Robinson, but that, that just means you think he would be good. <laughs> like I think Andre <laughs> Drummond is one of the worst fits I could imagine to put next to Julius Randle. Um, if Randall's your guy, then, then don't do this. And what message does this send to Mitch too? If that's a, if that's a young guy you're trying to develop, I'm absolutely out on that move for the Knicks. However, I can say this is, this is uh I, I, I get, what did I call it before the show? Like, like if Woj, if Woj has bombs, if there's Woj bombs, this is like uh like a dollar store, plastic <laughs> toy grenade keychain. Um that the Knicks interest in Andre Drummond is indeed real. Like they've looked into it as an NBA front office should, especially when their centers hurt, but that the interest is not strong. And that the theory, the theory, my theory personally, based on everything I heard is that this is Drummond's camp trying to get some hype going for Andre Drummond, (laughs) unsurprisingly to try to get teams to offer him a little more money. Um, that, that just makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I'm trying to get better at figuring out when looking at reports, uh, who it came from. And it's looking like, especially because it's actually been reported that the reports might be coming from Drummond's camp, that the reports are coming from Drummond's camp. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think the Knicks actually were interested. So that leak was real. That, that the Knicks had interest. However, I, I've heard that that interest is is not strong. And for, for Knicks fans like myself, who are not fans of Andre Drummond, we don't have too, too much to be worried about. I don't think he's someone the team would commit assets or long-term money to in any substantial way. Well, you heard it here first. Chris Persianin with a dollar store Nerf gun grenade bullet here. It's it's going to be Brooklyn, and I'm going to be sad about it. But he's going to be mean, doing. I, th- th- this is going to be a giant ploy to get money from Brooklyn, and I'm I'm going to I'm going so, to frown. I I agree that it just wouldn't make any sense. I mean, you still have Mitchell Robinson. I know he's hurt right now, but I I just don't see how adding Drummond helps that situation anymore. I mean, Robinson is one of the building blocks for this team and extremely valuable to the franchise. And, and I don't think bringing in Andre Drummond 
does anything for that situation. It, it prevents him from developing more. It, it confuses things. And I just think it would be a wasted move, especially with given how much uh, cap space they have going into this free agent, uh, into this trade deadline. So one other name that's, uh, that's seen a lot thrown around is LaMarcus Aldridge, who wasn't somebody I was expecting to be a big name, but it, he has turned into a big name. Well, this, this market is pretty dry. It is a dry market. And and it's also a strange year because, you know, you have the extra play in time, you know, teams aren't going to be willing to give up as many players as they might, maybe might've in the past, you know, the teams are more, comfortable with the teams they have because they know they have a better chance of getting into that playoff picture. So uh, I think we can throw around these names as much as we want. We can come up with a million different scenarios for each big player, but I wouldn't be surprised if we only see maybe two or three of these uh, acquisitions happen because uh, it, a lot of these teams, it just, I, I doesn't seem realistic to me for them to give up the pieces that they already have to get a player that's maybe top 50 in the league, but certainly not top 25. Someone like LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he is being looked at by Boston and Miami and the Trailblazers, all teams who have maybe, maybe not top one or two seed, but legitimate, legitimate, legitimate chances in that Eastern conference and going after someone who has a $24 million base salary, who's 35 years old. It, it, I don't know if it's worth it for any of those teams. I know the Heat it's not. don't even – exactly. The Heat don't even really have anyone to give for them. I know Boston, they have that giant trade exception from the Gordon Hayward trade, and I think it is not worth wasting away on this this uh, player uh, right here. This can't and be the plan. This, this can't, can't be the plan. Exactly. It really can't. Even the Blazers, I know that Marcus Aldridge was, was in Portland to begin with, and it would be something like a full circle story, and that's cute and everything, but – it just doesn't seem like a great situation for anyone. So I, I don't see anything happening with that. I am interested to see for me. Now you're a Knicks fan. I'm a Celtics fan and and we've struggled this year. We're we're a team, unlike the Knicks, we're used to being consistent, we're used to being consistently good. And I guess the tables have turned because this year we have been anything but that. Very up and down despite having two all-stars carrying the team. Uh, and we're going in with the largest trade exception in NBA history, 28.5 million. So I, I got to hope that Danny Ainge goes in there and, and picks someone out. I know there's been rumors about them looking at Harrison Barnes from Sacramento, maybe Atlanta Hawks forward, John good. Collins, who I, both are Barnes. Good, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather go for Barnes than Collins. I, I think, uh, I, I think if your goal is to win in the playoffs, take, take the guy who who's done it. Um, and, and take the guy who's done it at, at high levels. I know it wasn't because of Harrison Barnes that the Warriors won, but Harrison Barnes can absolutely still play. Harrison Barnes can absolutely contribute to a playoff team. He just can't be like, – like in Sacramento, it's Fox, and then you know you have Heald and Halliburton playing off him, but it's, it's Fox and then it's Barnes. Uh, they don't have a lot going on offensively in Boston. If Barnes is, you know, coming off the bench, I guess, as, as that kind of scoring punch, if you have two wings in Brown and Tatum starting, or you're starting Barnes at the four, uh, as to not start two two big men, maybe trade Tristan Thompson to somewhere like Toronto. Um, that, that just gives you good scoring versatility as well. You can make your team a little bit more like the Clippers. You know, they have George Leonard and Batum coming out with with Brown, Tatum, and Barnes would be would be pretty good as well. 
and, and clearly whatever the Clippers are doing is right. So if your team is going to look a little more like them, then you're probably doing something right. But Chris, uh, like I said, we could talk about this all we want. We're not going to know anything for sure until March 25th at the latest. And then April 6th, that buyout deadline. So uh, I will continue to hear more rumors next week. You'll hear some even more on pick and pod, but that's going to do it for this episode. I'm Kelly Bright and I have been hosting with Chris Persianen and thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports. <laughs>